and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with another hybrid show where we will quickly review game week 32 before previewing game week 33. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the Colchester United to my Grimsby town. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, I mean, maybe we can get onto this a little bit later because you know, if, if I'm going to let you talk about something you're passionate about, I'm going to talk about something that I'm also very passionate about. But uh, it looks like my beloved Colchester United have just about pulled themselves to safety in 95% there. Now I'd say your thoughts. Well, my thoughts are, number one, if you think, if you're, if, if what you're trying to suggest is the thing that you're going to allow me on the podcast that I co-host to talk about is the the Super League, then why is that my thing? You know, that, that would equally be both of us. We both are invested in the Premier League, right? You don't support a team there, but we're doing a podcast about it. So that's number one. Number two would be, um, obviously, this is not the EFL podcast, and I give you plenty of banter about uh, loving the EFL. However, this is a different matter, and I was genuinely pleased for you at that moment when I saw the the final score the other day. Not not just because of um, it going most of the way to securing your beloved cultures to safety for this season, but also because I know how much you hate Southend and that they are your biggest rival in that sense. And you, you've even been on BBC Radio Essex before to describe how much you uh, are anticipating Essex derbies like uh, the, the, the one the other day. So, yeah, as, as your friend, Chris, I was genuinely pleased for you. There we go, there we go. But we also do have a mutual friend, Grimsby, who's a Grimsby Town fan, and we've been to... Well, we were in the play. We went to the playoff, the conference playoff final when they got promoted back to the football league. So it does feel a little bit, I guess, a little bit bittersweet. I mean, for, for me, the top sort of bottom four teams in League Two this year, obviously mine, close friend supports Grimsby, close friend supports Barrow, and then Southend, and then you know, very much dislike Southend. But you know, you kind of miss the derby a little bit, and then. Um, you know, we never got to see Grimsby Colchester in Grimsby, so that's a bit frustrating. And you know, we would have loved to have done the Barrow trip this year to see some other friends as well. So, yeah, yeah, it can't always be perfect, and uh, ultimately, um, we weren't very good this year, so we fully, de- fully deserve to be in the in the relegation dogfight. Anyway, we have a very, uh, very long show, plenty to get through. So we, let's let's crack on and start by reviewing game week 32. Uh, we are recording midway through the final game on the Wednesday before there is one final game on the Thursday. But we should be able to pretty much cover off everything that we spoke about on our last preview. So let's start with those players on the radar and fresh in the mind. Um, is the Tottenham Tottenham game uh, that has basically just finished. But obviously, Tottenham had a double, so they were one of the teams that we did focus on uh, relatively strongly on our preview show. Um, enough about Son and Kane, because I think you know, they're going to be in a, in, a, in a lot of FPL teams, but we'll also cover them a little bit in the captaincy section. So we did look for a few, a few other Tottenham assets that might have been worth, worth a punt in this double game week. We looked at Reguilon and we looked at Lucas Moura, Andy, um, in the end, not too bad for Reguilon, but not great for Lucas. But I guess we weren't feeling particularly strongly about either of them anyway. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
even though we weren't feeling particularly strong about them, obviously I know that you did end up going with Reggie on, and, and, and some of that is is the double game week thing, isn't it? Because I suppose even when you don't feel that strongly about a player, um, you know, getting four points, like, to, you know, for essentially two sets of appearance points is almost like a return compared to, like, a lot of other defenders that you could have compared him with. So um, you might have been happy, or d- despite the fact, although he did get booked, I think, did he, in that first game, so he only ended up getting one point. Um but uh, you might have been happy with um, with kind of just the appearance, or, or at least in some way slightly content with, with 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 the appearance points. But then right at the death, right at the death, there he's snuck you um, an assist, doesn't he? If you if you had Reggion in your team, so um, yeah, uh, probably probably Reggion owners are a little bit happier than than Lucas ones. What with what with the benching. Um, in, in the first game will be obviously starting the second, but would he have done had Harry Kane been fit? Uh, I, I don't, we don't know. And, and that was, that was half the, all the majority of the appeal when we were talking about Lucas on the preview was that he had started kind of in that number 10 position, uh, quite a few consecutive games and they were getting a bit of a, a bit of a rhythm going, but as well as a Harry Kane injury, throwing starting lineups for Tottenham into, into sort of disarray, who, who could have potentially foreseen a mid game week, Jose Mourinho sacking to uh, liven things up there as well. Yeah, it was all very strange because obviously I think in in Mourinho's last game against Everton, which was obviously the foot their first one in the double game week, I seemed to switch position, play three at the back with wing backs, and and yeah, there wasn't really space for Lucas in the side, and then he did start today, but then so did Bale, so it's like, well, which one might have started had uh, had Kane been fit, um, and then he ended up sort of assisting, um, or I think he was he. No, he, I don't think he. I think he ended up actually getting Son's first goal in inverted commas uh, chalked off because he was in an offside position, um, and that would have been a regular assist as well. So, so yeah, I think you know Son owners ended up ended up feeling okay in the end because uh, as we'll come on to, he ended up uh, with a bit of a late penalty. But yeah, I mean, I guess we did say Andy that Lucas Moura's numbers weren't re- underlying numbers weren't really jumping off the page for us, but he did have a few returns. So. Um, you know, if you were trying to trying to sort of double, maybe triple up on on Tottenham players, then he might have been an okay option. But I think in general, um, his performances over the last over the two in the double probably confirmed that he wouldn't be a player uh, to invest in much going forward. Um, I, we grouped four more um, players into sort of one category really because they were all appearing in the in the Europa League, and therefore we're never quite sure what sort of rotation. You know, they might experience in the Premier League. Uh, two for Arsenal in, in, in Saka and Lacazette, and then two for United in uh, Cavani and Greenwood. And uh, I guess the, the two sets of players for, for, for both Arsenal and Man United had very contrasting fortunes in this game week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've I didn't see the, the Arsenal game, but only kind of the highlights. But yeah, they look, they just seemed at home against a team like Fulham uh, they they just were so uncreative obviously every, everything you've read and heard about them over the course of you know since since that game people are just absolutely slating them and I know we're not going to mention the Super League necessarily yet but but the irony of the Super League announcement coming just after such a terrible performance by a team like like Arsenal who would have been in it uh, in that game it was just it was smacked everyone in the face and they were being used as kind of like the uh, the the scapegoats almost at one point of how ridiculous the idea was uh, because of their performance there. So yeah, not ideal. I mean, I think we've been saying all season about it being difficult to trust Arsenal assets for this very reason. Their form is very patchy. They're not reliable. Um, However, I would, probably still maintain that Saka is someone to kind of keep an eye on. His underlying numbers have been pretty 
consistent and decent all season um and he does look often look lively when he when he does play albeit not every game but you're not you don't necessarily need it to be every game for a player that's under six million like him so so yeah what one maybe he's he's can still get people returns in this run especially with, with, with arsenal's fixtures but yeah cavani and greenwood both just doing exactly what we kind of hoped they would do and 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 Cavani's just so sharp obviously goal off the bench on the break when united you know were had had gaps to to exploit there for for burnley but still nonetheless he's just a clinical finisher always in the in the right place at the right time um all the all the kind of clichés that you've been hearing various pundits say about him and and us say during the course of this season but it's absolutely true he just has that poachers number 9 knack and showed it uh, even even off the bench there Greenwood as a final one in this group, yeah, looked looked again <laughs> exactly what we said. Uh, his his form has been brilliant recently. He looked really lively, really productive. He just when he gets the ball, he just looks like he's going to make something happen or, or or like take a chance. Um, you know, every time he he gets on there, and I think it's something like six goals in five games or something for him now. Um, not necessarily all in in the Premier League, granted, but yeah, he he's um he's it's a shame he's a lot more than some of those other like Saka options because uh, if he wasn't a hundred percent, he'd be he'd be way more being kept an eye on. However, with the form he's in, maybe that uh, that might make some more people start thinking about him. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to Kai Havertz at Chelsea. Uh, he had another appearance through the middle in in the Premier League. Um, I think he may have been rested for Chelsea's Cup semi-final, um, but did play through the league, through the middle against, against Brighton. Uh, no returns for him. Chelsea not looking amazing going forward all of a sudden. Um, uh, so I guess you know, we, we were a, a little bit hoping, I guess, for a bit of a Havertz renaissance. And there were some glimmers, I think, in the, few, in, 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 in the odd game. But um, considering his price, Andy, I still think this this probably isn't, isn't, really good option for FPL managers going forward. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? There's so I think we one of the things we said on the preview that, that adds as a caveat with always added as a caveat for Havertz and even more so now based on what you just said, was his um is the number of midfielders, the number of midfield options this season. Um it, it's hard to justify spending the amount he is uh on on a player like him who isn't necessarily uh producing um you know goals and assists when when there are so many good cheap uh, midfield options this season so it's a shame I think you and I it's you're definitely going to be speaking about Havertz in our in our pre-season stuff for next season I can I can just see it we're both sort of tempted in by him but no um tr- tricky now for for him to be in your teams this season probably yeah absolutely I think you know if if, if it had done well um in, in in sort of very recent weeks I think he he might have ended up in my wild card but I just need to need to hold off and not get tempted in tempted in by him now and then rounding off the players on the radar section we did speak about a couple of West Brom um assets who had been you know doing surprisingly well even in their underlying numbers um, in terms of uh, Callum Robinson and Mateus Pereira but both are yet to play in game week 32 as we record so we'll have to put a pin in those and maybe we'll cover them uh, if they do well uh, later later on in 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 one in another podcast let's move on to captains andy and um we better start i guess with uh, with harry kane and and son and both ended up with 12 points i mean i guess i guess maybe we can set this up in a slightly different way um because we slightly disagree over whether i guess 12 points which is what they both ended up with 
is a good sort of triple captaincy haul considering it was on a double game week. Um, I come down on the side that I think I'm, I'm pretty happy. And I guess the context of this is that Harry Kane got all of his in one game um, because of the he, he limped off against Everton and, and, and didn't play at all against Southampton tonight. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I guess from your point of view, Andy, where, where do you stand on, stand on this? Should I be as happy as I am? I mean, I think I think your happiness is reasonable. I mean, it 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 depends like how you how you kind of word the question, and you know, you being a you being a pollster, I'm sure uh, you you know that better than anyone. But um, because because like you, in one one way you phrased it in your setup just there, you said like you're more happy than me, or should we be happy as that as that as a return? And in another way you worded it, you said it like you I think it's a good return, whereas you think it as in you you saying me didn't think it, it it was a good one and and that there is a bit of a nuance there like i i think it is a good return whether i'm like fully happy with it though i don't know and 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 um i, I look equally kane could have blanked and um i'd have got no points so you, you if you'd offered me 12 would I, I guess that's the true test would i have taken it pre game week yeah i think i probably would because of the gamble of 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 you know it, it, it being less but I guess when you when you're even more so when it's a triple captain like you and I this week like if, it, if that's your captain in any given game week delighted don't get me wrong but when it's your triple captain and you know they could have had two games um you're there's you're probably hoping that if they got like that third attacking return that would just really like tip it over into that's a great triple captain I've really picked a, a, an optimum uh, or, or, or a top 10 or 20% moment to have my, my triple captain there. So, yeah, I'm probably asking for a lot, but um, it, it, is an, it is a fairly good return, isn't it? I mean, what, how would you describe it? I mean, I think, I think what maybe makes it a little, bit, um, a little bit more interesting, I guess, is because you know, a lot of people felt like it was one or, one or the other. Which one am I going to go with? And obviously Kane started... The, the game week so well in terms of his his FPL output and you know, 70 minutes into in, into Tottenham Everton you're thinking oh well you know if if Kane's going to do this against Southampton then I'm going to have a, an absolutely monster week then he limps off injured and Son starts through essentially through the middle against Southampton and ends up scoring a penalty that had, had Harry Kane been fit he would have taken so I think that's and and, and therefore you know some would have ended up on I don't know like four points or, or or six points at best um if if, if you have captained him uh, and Kane would have ended up on I don't know what 30 plus 32 um so if you if you'd have captained him so God knows what it would have ended up as if, if you'd have tripled him so so yeah it's uh that's yeah that's how it goes sometimes but I think all in all um whichever decision you did make if it was between Kane and Son um, ended up probably being a pretty good, pretty good decision. Um, there weren't many others, Andy, that probably would have been a quite a good decision. Um, you know, we 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 spoke about Salah and Jota this week uh, against Leeds. Leeds famously give up a fair few chances, um, but Salah didn't start. Jota you know, buzzed around again. wasn't amazing in front of goal, but probably didn't have loads of chances. I mean, I guess you still feel pretty strongly about Jota, and and Salah just seems to be a victim of. You know, Liverpool have four very good attackers and um, they can only start three of them, although Klopp has started four of them occasionally, but generally only start three of them. Um, so one of them is going to not start roughly once every four games. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and and Salah has has had plenty of returns off the bench this season. I mean, if you if we see him consistently coming off the bench, then it's going to be start to be a worry because obviously the difference, as we've mentioned, with someone like Jota, you don't mind it as much because he's like seven million. But at twelve and a half, like salaries, you want a nailed on starter. So that would be like the the slight difference and the and the concern if we saw that more long long term with, with, with Salah. But yeah, one thing we lose in in when we have to do these like hybrids is obviously um, the kind of blankety blank. Um, aspect of what it would be in a in a normal review uh, review show and um there, there would be quite a few options i mean this maybe puts the kane son thing into context in the sense that they obviously were not blankers this week um and there's many others in that hot in that high owned group of players that that would be so um yeah not not ideal whether if you if you captained either of these two liverpool assets particularly you know playing against leeds as you mentioned uh, what about Bruno, Andy? I'm sure you watch Man United, Burnley, um, you know, as closely as, as, as you always do. Um, another blank for him, just two returns in his last seven games, but there's still plenty to like about what you're seeing from his performance. So, I mean, is he starting to become less of a captaincy option, even though he's still playing pretty well? Where do you kind of come down on this one? It's a tricky one because, like we, we, what we highlighted was his underlying numbers were the best of any midfielder in the previous four and six kind of game weeks. So I don't really know what more you can say than that. You know, his his his, his stats at home were better than any other midfielder all season again, which which we'd pointed out. So it's it's long term form and sh- short term recent form that had been good for for Bruno. And on top of that, yeah, on the eye he'd been looking good, and he continued to kind of look decent. Like. I'm obviously quite a cynical Man United fan. I never wasn't 100% convinced by that by the performance. Um, we conceded another goal, which is just typical of goals we've been conceding this season. Um, however, like he, I mean, in the literal sense of an assist, he didn't have one. But like the, I don't know if you've seen it, Chris, but but Greenwood's first goal. Like Bruno's done a dummy and it's just absolutely beautiful. He's basically got the assist for that goal. It's Rashford's played it across the box, but Bruno stepped over it, like looking like he's going to go to shoot. And then that's left it to Greenwood at the back post. He's completely free one-on-one to like stick it in. And so it's, that's basically a Bruno assist at that point. So I, th- I think he's, 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 he still looks like he's in, 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 in good form at the moment and, and hopefully will continue to be like a, a good captaincy option. Just start getting those actual returns. Yeah, I stood up in the pub and I applauded, well, not in the pub, in the pub garden and and, and applauded that dummy because it was it was a thing of beauty. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not allowed to stand up at my table, so I was breaking the rules uh, in doing that. But um, you know, was, and I didn't quite, quite put my mask on just to get off my feet, but I, stood back, I sat back down straight away. Um, I can assure you of that. Um, let's finish with, uh, with, with. I mean, you keep writing messy Lingard on, 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 on our sheet, but, but yeah, I mean, he. I just keep thinking that if one day, one game week, he won't, he won't score. Obviously, West Ham didn't have a vintage performance this game week, but uh, Jesse's still, still on the score sheet. Um, it, will he stop, Andy? He just doesn't seem like it. I mean, at the moment, he is he going to start for England at the Euros? If he's scoring in every game, then he has to. No, he doesn't have to start. Like, he's obviously way overperforming his numbers. I mean, his form is fantastic. I think at this rate, you know, he's going a long way to getting himself maybe a place in, in, in that squad. But even even then, I'd say if everyone's fit, there's others who've 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 shown it more consistently over the course of the season, perhaps. Um, but 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 no, I mean, 
what can you what can you say if I, if I put anyone off um captaining Jesse Lingard in the in the future and uh, who's to say he's not going to prove people wrong again as he as it has been all these last few weeks so fi- fixtures will make a difference right ultimately it was Newcastle and that was part of the reason we had him on on the kind of captaincy picture this week but um yeah he's just he's just hitting a purple patch does he have a future at united that's going to be an interesting one because i can imagine ollie saying to him like you know we need a, a deep squad we have um if, i would prefer it if bruno got rested a little bit more um and jesse could play in that that role when 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 Bruno's kind of rested, but Bruno himself doesn't want to be rested. And he's obviously such an influential sort of big figure. You know, I can't imagine Ollie gets many opportunities where he kind of, where Bruno agrees to not play. So that's what makes it tricky. Um, and so, so I don't know. And, and given how much, how well he's played being a starter and the fact that he obviously cares about playing for England, because you hear in the press, don't you, that one of the reasons he took this loan was because Gareth Southgate said to him, you need to be playing. If there's any chance you get in near the, he said he actually rang up Southgate and spoke to him, you know, earlier this season. And, and he said, you're going to have to be playing regular first team football. If there's any chance of you getting back near the squad. Um, so you'd think if his mindset is still like that, then he's going to know that he's probably not going to get that ahead of Bruno at, at United. So uh, I, th- I think probably not. But I mean, obviously, I, I, I'd love to kind of see him in play and maybe get a bit more of a rotation role. And if I'd have told you at the start of the season, you would have been speaking about Jesse Lingard as an FPL captain. What sort of parallel universe would you have thought that you'd have been in? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have believed it for a second. No, he looked so like underwhelming last season. Yeah, and everything he was touching just did not come off at all. Because he did get a fair bit of game time in the Europa League last year, and he just he always looked kind of not sharp whatsoever. Which is a funny thing about this season in that he's probably played even less football before he got to West Ham. But he absolutely hit the ground running when he got there. David Moyes effect. Uh, let's leave it there. And when we return, we will begin previewing game week thirty-three. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So as ever on our preview shows, we'll start by running down the week's fixtures and then we'll have a probably fairly lengthy chat about this week's talking points because there's so much to talk about. And we've got a few a few players on the radar this week and then we're going to do another stats versus eye test. It's probably one of the one of the first times we've done two of them in a row. We'll finish as ever with captaincy and who the heck is stat. So let's begin by running down those all-important FPL fixtures. Our game week FPL deadline this week is 6.30 on Friday the 23rd of April. And that's because Friday night football, um, it's Arsenal-Everton on Friday the 23rd at 8 o'clock. Then on Saturday lunchtime, we've got Liverpool versus Newcastle. Then West Ham-Chelsea is the tea time kickoff, followed by Sheffield United-Brighton rounding off Saturday. Because of the Carabao Cup final, there are a few teams on blanks this game week. And so there are only eight fixtures. And those were the first four. The final four, beginning on Sunday, are Wolves versus Burnley, Leeds versus Man United, Aston Villa versus West Brom, and on Monday night football, Leicester versus Crystal Palace. Right, Andy. So when I was thinking about this pod, I was thinking, oh no, 
And as as the as the as the news developed this week, I was thinking, oh no, this is going to make Andy very very angry. This is going to make him rant on the podcast. It's going to be it's going to be awful. So I'm just going to ask you now for your reaction. Norwich City back in the Premier League. I mean, this isn't even on one of the week's talking points, but there's so much to talk about this week. And um, I will be taking the same approach to FPL next season as I did last season. And that is no scum players in my team at any point. And I don't care if Timo Pukki goes on a scoring run because I didn't care last season and I finished in the top 5K. How how much... Like, are you going to allow them to be on the radar? Are you going to allow us to talk about them? Like, because I'm going to want to. Yeah, and it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I guess, I guess, the as if it's ever only up to me anyway. So, like, I I wouldn't be able to stop them being on the radar, Chris. You're your own independent Beyonce, and I'm sure you'd make sure they got on there if you wanted them on there. But um, I, I I imagine it's probably likely I'm going to be less keen on them uh, than than perhaps some some other team. So I just I just hope that they they look as crap defensively as they did last time they were in the league because that will make me happy to just not have their players in 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 the game. I can imagine that like we might put them on the radar and then if there's if you have the final word on that player you should be like but you can't put them in the team because they're both Norwich and we just leave it at that. Um, but anyway, uh, what I was hoping to kind of set you up for would be a surprise. You know, the Norwich thing aside, it's a bit, bit of a surprise. Obviously, it's the Super League, the proposed European Super League. And this could have had massive implications for Fantasy Premier League had it gone ahead or had it not been cancelled, I guess, or whatever's happened in the last 24 hours. But 72 hours ago, you know, there was talk of you know, these teams being kicked out of the Premier League. And it could have had all all number of implications for for, for FPL. Um, so I guess Andy, I, I, well, yeah, I'm going to trip over myself here. I guess the other the other reason why I think our listeners would want to hear your thoughts on it in particular is because obviously you are a Man United fan. You're a cynical Man United fan. Um, for those that don't know, Andy's not never been a massive fan of the ownership. Never been a massive fan of Edward Wood. So I do feel like it would be interesting to just give you a few minutes just to go through it but equally i feel like we might need to have some sort of fpl lens over this if possibly we could but maybe thinking about what it could have led to in the premier league next year and you know what what it could have meant to not have not have these sort of big six in inverted commas teams around uh, in the future well i guess from well, to us, where to start here is that we usually start these preview shows with the talking points, right? And this get it's just absolute bonkers what has happened since we last spoke uh, on this podcast. I mean, it's the 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 number of talking points. Some, sometimes we 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 almost feel guilty and we apologise for having to mention like midweek European games again or whatever because. It so often does they they do influence frankly um, FPL as much as it's repetitive. However, we, you know this is just one of a number of 
just massive things that have, that have happened um, in 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 the build up to this to this FPL game week. It's just it's been a crazy season, crazy year for so many reasons. Um, but but this, it, from a football and FPL point of view in particular, has just been has just been a, a nuts sort of development. I don't think we need to. I imagine if anyone's listening to this podcast, they probably have heard what what happened. So we don't really need to go into into the details of it. But um, it's just it's hard to even comprehend what the Premier League might have looked like if this hadn't crumbled apart so quickly, this this Super League. And so given how hard it is to even comprehend what might have like like let's say the six teams had been banned, would the would the Premier League then have become like a a four fourteen team league or would it have been would they have probably just promoted a few more from the championship and made it like or maybe taken the opportunity to reduce the size a little bit to reduce the tension on games and maybe have like an eighteen team league or something like that. Um who knows? And then suddenly these clubs that were nowhere near thinking of getting promoted this season would have a massive cash injection. You'd be getting, yeah, all, all kinds of new players in, 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 in the game for FPL. Uh, there'd be question marks over would a lot of the players from the Super League teams leave to come back to the Premier League because, the, you know, the repercussions were suggesting that it would mean they wouldn't be able to play for England, you know, or whatever their national team is. Uh, and they'd miss out on all kinds of other like competitions so you know then there, there might have been question marks of like are we going to see like Everton sign Marcus Rashford or something um just yeah it, all kinds of bonkers bonkers stuff could have happened and it is hard really with even from a football lens to, to say what 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 the football landscape might have looked like let alone then then FPL but but yeah uh, I'm sure listener listeners can imagine and I'm sure that they, they themselves felt as as I would I did at, at the time that it's just it's just, yeah, disgraceful and disgusting. It's, I can't say anything new that hasn't been said more eloquently by other football pundits. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried in some ways about sounding a bit like a cliche and a bit just too much like a sheep, but I did feel exactly like that. It was just a complete disgrace uh, because, yeah, football has has often been about money over these last couple of decades particularly, and, and it isn't a complete meritocracy, let's, let's be frank. But, um, you know, there was still the element of, Man City don't win the league every year, even though they have the most money in in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, the Leicester Cities of the of the world is obviously an example has been used a lot this week. Did come up from League One and win the Premier League. So you know you you, you get teams having runs in the FA Cup and all that all that type of thing. Ultimately, despite the fact City have the most money, they do have to go and win the games on on the pitch. And um, yeah, uh, just but just looking at how hard they and PSG have found it to win the Champions League shows you how it isn't always just about that, and you have to have like a coherent team structure and competition for places in your team, and and be playing at the highest level, which obviously PSG don't necessarily play as competitive opposition week week in week out. So yeah, it was it was it was a ridiculous um, on, on the Super League more widely than just FPL. Obviously, I thought it was it was a ridiculous a ridiculous concept. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think again, just bringing it slightly back to F- FPL. I mean, we will be looking ahead definitely over the next, uh, you know, five game weeks, but possibly also mentioning it in this show about you know the teams that have, have fixtures coming up and who's got things to play for and qualifying for the Champions League gives teams things to play for, um, and taking that away, you know, obviously then I guess the you know it would be taken away from the Premier League, possibly, but I guess we weren't sure where the other five teams were going to come from that were going to get into the Super League on merit. Um, but you know, like qualifying for the Champions League is huge. And 
and and yeah, I, I, it feels and qualifying for the Europa League is huge, and it also makes some of the cup competitions more interesting. Um, so so yeah, I think it would have had huge implications on FPL because we're looking at at, at the fixtures going forward, even in this season with just five games to go, and wondering you know which teams are going to have dead rubbers, which teams are going to be prioritising which games ahead of others, and and yeah, it would have all all felt very 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 odd, and that's before you even get into the kind of like the ethics of it and 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 obviously the finances involved and how it seem to have just been completely circumvented you know directors of these clubs and 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 the players and the management and and obviously most importantly the fans and in the season where where, where fans haven't been able to go uh, it just felt like the kind of the final kick in the teeth um despite the fact that it had been sort of mooted for for for, for quite a long time um let's try and move on to uh to to, to, the, to the game week at hand game week 33 now this is a blank for four teams andy uh, southampton fulham Man City and Tottenham. I'm sure FPL managers have differing uh, levels of players from each of those teams in their squad. But in addition to that, as you alluded to, I think earlier in in the review that we just did, um, Jose Mourinho of Spurs was was sacked this week after their 2-2 draw with Everton. Ryan Mason, a twenty, a, a guy that's younger than you, is uh, is in charge of uh, of Tottenham. Got his first win tonight. And then we also have Champions League semi-finals. So, um, so you know, like you say, you know, we do repeat ourselves quite a bit in terms of uh, you know monitoring Europe and and how teams are rotating. But there's uh, there's there's plenty to think about really ahead of uh, ahead of the next game week. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, there's so many talking points in in this particular game week that we that it it's it's hard to even take into account let alone you did obviously haven't even touched on the fact that there's kind of potential doubles coming up or whatever it's it's one for managers and I know you're on your wild card this week so even trickier for you to like navigate all these different factors thinking about what your the, the 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 players that you might 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 use in 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 this coming game week I mean the fact that Mourinho has been sacked if if that had happened on its own in the, in any given preview we we could we would be talking about that on you know at length probably in these talking points it could what what does it mean for does it make harry kane more likely to stay at tottenham longer term because it, you know there's always been suspicions that uh kane really obviously got on with pochettino and not that he necessarily disliked Mourinho, but um you know wasn't necessarily his number one choice for for manager what what will what is the ryan mason no one probably knows at all what the ryan mason philosophy on football is and and tottenham have confirmed obviously that he will be in charge for the final seven games of the season. So, so, so what does it mean for team selection formation and that type of thing for Tottenham assets going forward? Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's various other factors such as those, 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 those midweek um, European semis for, for four teams that, um, that, that can also mean various levels of, of, of rotation because they'll all be taking that, that seriously. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think just on, just on Tottenham and Ryan Mason, obviously, you know, with Harry Kane out today, um, both Son, uh, sorry, both Lucas Moura and Gareth Bale returned to the team and Bale hadn't been playing a lot under Mourinho in recent weeks. But obviously when he was given a run in the team earlier in the season, he he, he was he was an excellent FPL asset. So um, we'll be interesting to see uh, if Kane is back fit at the weekend for their Carabao Cup final, um, which one of those two attackers kind of keeps their place and, whether, and if it is Bale and 
Ryan Mason starts to favour Bale, whether he could become an asset going forward, uh, especially considering Tottenham have a fairly nice run in, of the, in, in the Premier League towards the end of the season. Um, but they obviously do blank in 33, so no point mentioning them this week. And as I say, we want to see a little bit more um, about Ryan Mason's setup before we make any calls with, uh, with, with Tottenham players. Um, another team that do have some great fixtures coming up, however, are, are Liverpool. Got Newcastle in, in this game week, who um, I guess we have uh, sort of done a, done a kind of always target Newcastle in recent weeks. That you know, As a team, they look they look a bit better, but are still conceding goals and are still conceding chances. Um, a little bit hard, though, Andy, to tip up Liverpool players who aren't already highly owned or that we haven't already spoken at length about. Um, but I guess Salah, having not started the last game, Jota still seems to be in, in, in pretty good form and definitely still a massive part of their attack. And I guess Trent Alexander-Arnold as well was an assist in their last game. I mean, all three of those should be fairly heavily considered by FPL managers if they're not already. Yeah, I, th- I think there isn't, like you say, particularly necessary new people. It's just something we obviously we have to highlight. Probably Liverpool, Liverpool got a great run, got Newcastle this week, and actually, I imagine uh, you, you did obviously mention there Tottenham's blank. Um, that there might, and the fact that there's obviously there's four teams on a blank, but but I can I can imagine there'd be quite a few pro- pl- uh, managers that own Tottenham assets, and so if you're looking for a first your first place to move some of those, I imagine Liverpool might be one of the teams that, that quite high up in your thinking um, because they could they could be yeah two or three possibly Tottenham players and and whether you've got room to stash them all plus any other blankers you might have like on your bench it might be one of those that you're having to kind of yeah um substitute out and so there could be some 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 quite nice direct um exchanges for for say like a Jota or a Salah in 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 your midfield there absolutely absolutely let's move on to another team who have some decent fixtures going up and 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 that's Leeds i think a few games ago andy we were um we swam against the tide of rafinha and Patrick Bamford being transferred out by, by lots of managers because they had three difficult games coming up in in, in Liverpool city and united they've come through um the first two with four points they haven't set the world alight in terms of chances created, but have done okay. And Man United are, are the final one. Um, you know, Rafinha's got a bit of a knock at the minute, didn't play in their last game. Bamford hasn't returned either. But Jack Harrison is, an, is a guy that uh, that his underlying numbers are starting to come to the forefront, particularly probably in, in Rafinha's absence. Well, this is this is a, almost the perfect type of player appearing on the radar, this Jack Harrison, because he was someone that you'd suggested to me without, before we'd even looked at the stats, just someone who... Um, had seemed to be, you know, getting on the ball in attacking areas a bit more for for Leeds. Um, obviously, in terms of actual output, has had quite a few sort of um, goals and assists in, in in recent weeks, in recent game weeks. Um, and uh, so then, when we when we put the sort of two and two together and looked at the stats as well, realised he's second um, among, amongst all midfielders uh, over the last four game weeks for expected goal involvement. It's um. It, it seemed like, yeah, like I say, like the perfect arrival for, some, for someone on the radar there. So it says it's got kind of everything everything going for him. The, the underlying numbers uh, demonstrate the consistency. He's catching the eye. He's actually getting um, assists and goals. So it's, you know, he's, he's not underperforming by, by, by any stretch there. And and the, the final like nail in that coffin to just make it absolutely perfect. I suppose what what's the opposite of nail in the coffin? Like cherry on top, I suppose, is... is uh, is the, the the fixtures that Leeds have coming up as you as you sort of slightly alluded to there? Um, they they do have um, 
obviously uh, Man United in, in in this game week, as we mentioned. But but after that, they're kind of running towards towards the end of the season. Um, gets gets a little bit nicer. So so yeah, past that tricky run that you mentioned um, after this game week, and Jack Harrison, someone we'll probably be keeping an eye on. Let's rewind back to game week thirty three of the last season. And Mason Greenwood was a £4.5 million striker in FPL, but he was banging them in for fun after Project Restart. Um, Fast forward to now, Andy, and he's banging them in for fun. Obviously, he's been reclassified as a midfielder. He's a bit more expensive, but he's definitely worth uh, being being fully on the radar at the moment because he seems to be be kind of a bit of a nailed-on starter for United at the moment. I mean... Uh, if he's definitely worthy of being on the radar, but my word, if he was a, given what we've said lots this season about the lack of uh, striker options and and huge amount of midfield options, if if Greenwood was a 4.5 million striker uh, this season in the game, he'd be in like close to 100% of teams. What would his ownership be? He'd arguably pro- probably be one of the most owned uh, players in the game, wouldn't he? Like. It, it would just be ridiculous, would it not? I mean, I guess with all of the sort of zombie teams that aren't playing anymore, then maybe not 100% ownership. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Had he been, you know, had he had he been classified as a striker, and even if he was five or six million, I'm sure he would have been in a lot of wild cards in game week 31. Well, you know, had he not been, um, had he not been in teams at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just seems. I mean, obviously, it was a little bit different at the back end of last season. He kind of really come to prominence in the Premier League, having done well in the Europa League after after the, the season restarted again. Um, obviously, he's had a few discipline issues at United, but he seems to be back in back in settled in the team now. Probably partly down to Anthony Martial's sort of injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the year. But when he does get in the team and does um, does get starts, he he takes his chances, and um, you know he is one of the. One of the best, you know, for a teenager, he's he's just got just got just got an incredible shot on him. I'm not sure what you think about his like actual sort of one-on-one finishing, but for me, he is the sort of person that will always outperform his xG because he can just take a half chance and you blink and it's in the back of the net kind of thing. His his finishing is very very good. I think it's slightly overhyped at this stage. It has room for improvement, but that's being like quite picky, right? He's 19 years old. It's very very good. And one thing that plays in his favour is that again, it's 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 a, almost becoming a bit of a trope because it's used about him so much. But it's true. He can finish equally well on either foot, and that just makes it so difficult for, particularly the way he plays at the moment, more so out wide. It makes it so difficult for a defender trying to like stand him up because even in recent weeks he scored goals by going on the out side or on the inside of his defender so there's no you can't show him one side or the other and that's such a like powerful um asset like tool to have in 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 your in your sort of um yeah striking arsenal there so yeah he's um he he is exciting as a prospect for for united and as you say only a teenager i think now um he he's equaled wayne rooney um for number of goals you know him and wayne rooney are tied top of as teenage goal scorers for man united so if he gets one more before his 20th birthday in october he will be the highest scoring teenager in history for manchester united so yeah that 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 puts him in ahead of some pretty good company yeah, I mean, whatever happened to Wayne Rooney, he was a he, he wasn't a bad football player. Um, let's have a quick look at then at some differential defenders possibly um, to help uh, FPL managers in the running. It seems that to me, Andy, that Leicester, Wolves, Brighton, 
all have some fairly favourable fixtures over the next three game weeks, um, and all in the top, um, you know, all in the top four for the number of goals that they were expected to have conceded over the last six. So pretty good clean sheet potential for all of these. Um, let's go through them one by one and see if there are any assets worth worth taking. Uh, and I guess let's start with Leicester. They are probably the most expensive sort of defensive assets. I think you know, Pereira's nearly six million. Castagna is uh, is is five point five point seven. I think. Um, so, are there any maybe centre backs that are worth looking at? I think they all they all they all seem to be fairly pricey. Yeah, I think I think they are. I think the cheapest is is um, Fafana at five million, and then you've got Johnny Evans and Soyuncu who are kind of over that. I think more closer to five point five. I can't. I think they might have both had drops, so they may be five point three, five point four. The two of them, but um, yeah. So so it's not it's not the cheapest. And and the thing, but the thing is that they do have decent clean, well, very good clean sheet potential. I think they're top of that XGC table. So so yeah, you know, on no defence has conceded fewer chances in terms of the quality of chances they're conceding over the past six game weeks that than Leicester. So so that is a good a good sign for them as a defence. And it does mean their clean sheet potential is high, particularly like you say, when you when you look at those those um fixtures they've got they've got coming up. Um it's what's what's their next three? Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle is Leicester's next three. Two of those being at home as well. So so that does that does look attractive, but I suppose there's only so many defenders you can have here, right? And and as you mentioned, it's true for all of those teams. And so the slight deciding factor for me would would maybe be price. I imagine there's a lot of teams that managers that have a bit of cash so even if they had to spend like a 5.3 on a johnny evans they, they probably uh, imagine there's a fair few managers that, that, that might be able to afford that right now but um you know when when there's when these are there these other teams like wolves and brighton with, with good upcoming coming runs as well you've got to look at that the price and also the kind of attacking potential and none of those three centre backs I've mentioned there, you know, uh, the, the attacking fullbacks is a slightly different thing, but they are closer to six mil, so really quite expensive. And with those with those three centre backs, really nothing. I think Fafana was the highest um, in terms of expected goal involvement over the last few game weeks amongst le- those Leicester centre backs, and that was something like 0.1 <laughs> or something. So so basically, there's there's not a lot there for for attacking potential, and 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 there might be other assets in these other teams that, that that give you more on that front i guess we're not seeing loads from from brighton then either and um, obviously ben white um was sent off in their last game against chelsea but he's only going to be out for a game joel veltman therefore could come in andy and at 4.4 million him mean, he's played wing back a few times this season and i think he did have some decent underlying numbers when he did get a run in the side so he possibly could be could be a look and then also, obviously, there's always Lewis Dunk. I think he's probably, again, closer to five. But his attacking numbers are probably much better than any of the Leicester centre-backs. Um, you know, he's he's definitely had returns as well. Um, I think he went, went on, went, I think he got two and two earlier in the year. And uh, also, also sometimes crop pops up with, with a free kick as well. So I guess if you're going to go Brighton, Dunk would be the guy or would you be more tempted by Veltman? Yeah, it depends on your situation. If it's like a one or two week thing, maybe Veltman. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people who've done wild cards, or not a lot, but a few. He's reasonably, he's not low owned necessarily, Veltman. There's a few people got him stashed because of his 4.4 million price tag there on, on their bench, um, I think. So he might well be, um, a few people think cause, thinking about, particularly, you know, if you're going to do it for this game week, because you know that White is out, there's there's a lot much better chance of Veltman starting. And, and yeah, it's true. You're, you're right when he has played. Um, 
you know, that when he had that run, he was for a few weeks there up in the top two or three for expected goal involvement amongst um, amongst all, all defenders in the game. He, he is quite, he's quite big, so he's a threat for, in terms of goals going um, up for corners. And he, he was playing win back and like kind of bombing up and down. So he did have that sort of dual, dual threat of assists and goals as, as, a, in, well, as far as defenders go. You know, no, you know, you're not talking like Bruno Fernandez numbers by any stretch. But, but yeah, compared to other defenders, certainly, certainly well up there. However, yeah, Dunk is wet. Once White comes back, which could just be that, obviously, that one game that he's suspended for. You know, Dunk's way more nailed on to be, to be starting and has had goals um, from from set pieces. The 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 slight caveat there, uh, and I suppose he's a he's you know a few point millions cheaper than than these Leicester assets that, that even Dunk. So so maybe he's he's a better option than than say an, an Evans or a Fafana perhaps even. But but the the thing is his underlying numbers still haven't been great. So yeah, he did get returns earlier in the season, but he's not really been been necessarily justifying them. They've been they've been perhaps like lucky. Um, and so, can we be sure he's going to he's going to continue to score them? I mean, I mean, I mean he he may well do. They, they, the point here is that all these teams have great um, have great runs and have good kind of clean sheet potential. So it really is we're really getting into like the minutiae here and the the finest kind of margins about who's the slightly better um, option to pick. So so perhaps I don't, I don't know what you think. Maybe of all these ones we've discussed across Leicester and Brighton so far, maybe Dunk would be would be the best if you had to pick one. Yeah, I mean, one guy that we haven't mentioned actually that I've just kind of that's just come to me might be Robert Sanchez, Brighton's goalkeeper. I mean, it's, it feels a bit strange maybe to be tr- make, using a free transfer up if you have already wildcarded on a goalkeeper. Um, but considering his price, I'm guessing he was around 4.5. He might have had a rise, Andy, but he's not going to be. Yeah, I, you know, I'd very much, I'd be really surprised if he was anywhere near five. Um, he could be a decent, a, a decent pick. I think he's had a few save points and a few bonuses as well. And um, had he played all the season, wouldn't shock me if he was sort of, you know, in the Martinez conversation in terms of, uh, in terms of ownership and in terms of, and in terms of points. So, so yeah, he could be, he could be an interesting, an interesting thought if you are looking for a way into Brighton's defence. Obviously, he definitely doesn't come um, with any attacking potential. Um, and then let's round off with Wolves I think a few fixtures ago because Wolves had an okay run um they've had a sort of extended okay run uh, we did have a look at some of their defenders then and we kind of plumped um for, for, for size uh, I think you end up with him in your team Andy and actually his uh, his underlying numbers have been not too bad over the recent over recent games no, not not at all. He he's second amongst defenders for expected goal involvement, which is which is interesting actually. And, and obviously, with someone like Sice, um, he that's not um, that's not really assist. That's all coming from like expected goals because he's you know big 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 threat from from corners. So yeah, g- given that Wolves are are also up there, they are they are slightly behind Brighton and Leicester in terms of expected goals conceded, but but still fourth in in the in the entire league. So so very they've done very well over the last four game weeks. They have really tightened up, albeit you know they've been playing some slightly easier defenses which uh, attacks, which is why they they were being highlighted by us a, a few weeks ago. Net none nonetheless, they still have to do the job and keep the clean sheets and it has been two clean sheets in the last um two two games there for Wolves so um yeah uh starting to kind of get a bit of consistency perhaps going and given those those underlying numbers I think uh, uh, to be clear to, to listeners I suppose if we were putting one player on the radar here you know if you're just trying to pick one one defender I, I think for that reason because size well he was 4.8 I think he's gone up to like five now um so similar same price as as, as Fafana but you know, 
met perhaps as much of a clean sheet potential and a slightly better attacking um, potential uh, that, than Dunk or, or Fafana. So, so size would probably be the one here that we're, we're going to have on the radar. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's leave it there. And when we return, we will be doing a stats versus eye test. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back, Ben. So, Andy, it's uh, quite rare for us to do two of these in a row, and it would be even rarer, I guess, for us to focus sort of on the same team twice in a row. Um, so we're going to have a little look at Newcastle here. Now, I remember way back earlier in the season when West Ham started playing well, I asked Andy, are West Ham good? Now, let's not start pretending that we think Newcastle are good. You know, they've got two wins in two, um, and they've started scoring some goals again, which I guess is kind of the basis of this stats versus eye test. But we definitely don't think that they're having some sort of uh, some sort of Steve Bruce inspired renaissance. Having said that, few stats, um, Andy, that we I guess we can go through, but their their underlying numbers have been really quite surprising, um, and it's not just in their last two either, is it? No, absolutely, it's absolutely not. And um, it, it really is very surprising for Newcastle. Now, when we started putting these notes together, they were top in the last four game weeks for expected goals, which is which is absolutely nuts. There's no way I would have thought, if you'd asked me to guess who was the most creative team in the last four game weeks, never would have said Newcastle. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of them live over the last four game weeks, but still... Um, that that's a significant turnaround because they've spent lots of parts of the season being accused of not being very creative. Um, they are technically second now because Tottenham have played a second game this game week, which has just nudged them ahead of, of, of Newcastle, but perhaps not a fair comparison because of that extra game. Nonetheless, still a, a large amount of chances more creative than, than City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, any of those teams, New, Newcastle have a higher um, XG they've, they've created over the last four game weeks. So that that's very interesting. And um, I guess directly connected to that, two um, Newcastle strikers appear in the top four of all strikers in the game for expected goals in the last four game weeks, which is which is bonkers. Like they, they again, one thing they've been criticised of is over the course of the season is is you know. Past, and I think we've said it on the podcast, if Callum Wilson doesn't play, who's going to score for Newcastle? And so the fact that they have two strikers, neither of them being Callum Wilson, in the top four for XG um, in the last four game weeks, and that, that's um, Gale and Joe Linton, is, seems, seems bonkers. I think they both have a, an XG greater than two um, in, in, in the last four game weeks. So um, some, some, some fantastic stats there. And, and not only their kind of out and out forward players, but all, all their attackers seem to seem to be doing well. And you, you'd notice some some good underlying numbers for their um for their midfielders too. Yeah, yeah. So Amaron has an has an XG of, of one in his last uh, four four game weeks. Um, Willock has an XG of just under one in his last four as well. Um, I mean, he's got two goals off the bench. Joe Willock, uh, Amaron's got 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 one as well. So so yeah, this is uh. They're getting like you, know, like you say, Andy. You know, when Callum Wilson isn't playing, we would question where 
um, you know, where Newcastle's goals are coming from. And it seems at the moment that they're coming from kind of anywhere and everywhere. Um, but I guess why we're kind of putting this into a stats versus eye test is because, yeah, okay, the underlying numbers are pretty good. Um, and the returns have also been pretty good. But we have seen enough over the last um, few years or maybe even more than a few years for, for, for one of these players to show that they're just not that good Premier League players. And uh, you know, without being too overly rude to players, uh, to, to footballers that are considerably, you know, light years better than we are um just you know no reason for us to be putting Dwight Gale Joe Linton Almiron and Joe Willock in our teams is there no absolutely not I don't think so here and the eye test element of this I suppose is our longer term eye test right because actually you know Willock in particular has has kind of looked looked all right off the bench um for, for Newcastle get, getting getting some plaudits and at 4.7 million not not necessarily the most expensive midfielder you know um okay midfield's I guess the point for him would be though the midfield slots are are at a premium, so you'd be kind of even at 4.7 million, maybe you throw him on away a bit there to 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 pick him. But but on the rest, in particularly this the eye test element here is as fantastic as those stats are, really surprisingly good for Newcastle. The eye test element is is that sort of longer term one, and I think we've seen plenty enough of Dwight Gale in in the Premier League to know he's he's one of those classic bangs them in in the Championship, but just really hasn't sort of fully found his feet. Um, in, in the Premier League, obviously Joe, Joe Linton's struggled, and, and as has 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 Almiron. So um, a mixture of I won't be quite as harsh. I'll say it's a mixture of us knowing, having seen them not really perform, and the fact that there's so many kind of other potential options, particularly in mid in, in midfield. You'd just be better off. It's you know Gale and Joe Linton aren't 4.5 million strikers like Greenwood would was last year here or anything like that. That that you're still investing as much as you would almost for Ian Acho at this point for a Gale or Joe Linton. So yeah, they're, they're longer, the longer term eye test mixed with the, the other options available this season for those price ranges, I think means, yeah, we, we, we wouldn't be going near them. And I guess it's buyer beware. That's our point here. The reason for having this section, isn't it? it I guess it was always the whole point of our stats versus eye test is we're, we're trying to flag something, I guess, to listeners. Whereas if, if one thing is catching, if one of the, it, one of those things is catching your eye. So in this instance, if you were to look into the stats and just see those great, great um, things for the Newcastle uh, assets there, you know, just, just, just beware of, of, of kind of that longer term eye test, I guess we're saying in this instance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they've also got a very difficult next four fixtures, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City. I think that was one of the reasons why last week we, we when we spoke about Alan Samaxman, I couldn't really, however you know, eye catching he looked, um, we couldn't really justify even putting him on our radar. And now there are stats to back up the performance of, of, of these four players. But even then, you know, we've seen enough from them um, to, for us to kind of go, well, actually not really that bothered about any of these. Plus, you know, the next four fixtures are horrible and don't, couldn't really get any worse. Um, but I'll tell you what, Newcastle, if you are any good, then go win a few of these and, uh, and, and then we'll talk. How about that? Well, they will. They will very much have proved us wrong, and I'm sure there is a mutual friend of ours who who shall not be named, who will very much be getting in touch to let us know. I think they'll be pinning up that me laying down the gauntlet. They'll be pinning that up in the dressing room, using it for motivation. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle players definitely care what we say. Correct. Um, talking of Newcastle, let's move on to captaincy and how good a prospect this week 
are Salah and Jota against Newcastle, Andy? Well, I think probably probably pretty good. Um, we, you know, we we mentioned earlier that um, if if you were looking to, to get uh, if you have slots, maybe ex Tottenham players that that are, you're trying to get out of your team or, or anywhere else, uh, and or you've got these players in your team already, you know they they look like good options, don't they? Salah and Jota still high um, high up there in terms of the underlying numbers. Um, even though you know, if you look at the if the numbers by minutes, for example, for midfielders, um, Salah's number one. No one gets more expected goal involvement per ninety than than Salah. So um, yeah, against Newcastle, who, who can see plenty of chances, or at least have over over the course of the season, they've they, they've got you know slightly better, I suppose. But uh, I think still uh, second worst for expected goals conceded over the last four game weeks, Newcastle are, which is ironic given that they're second best for the expected goals they've they've conceded going forward. Maybe this could be quite an open, exciting game, but uh, it would it would make Liverpool attacking assets, yeah, um, good good options. I suppose the slight caveat, like what what we saw this week, what if one of them's one of them's on the bench? Um, it's hard to predict. If we get any inklings, that would be the thing. You know, any news in in press conferences or anything like that, that would be the thing to look out for. I'd be tempted, you know, almost to to stick it on Salah more confidently this week, just because he did rest in that in that last game, right? Um, and Jota hasn't had a rest for as much of a rest for a while. He started like the last few more. He's had probably more minutes out of that front four than the others so far um, in, in these last few game weeks. So maybe it's his turn. But it's hard to predict these things sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think for that reason, I would make Salah a safer pick this week. And yeah, as you say, um, Newcastle uh, Liverpool has been known throughout the history of the Premier League as being a being a pretty exciting game. Um, so this one really does have 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 pretty high potential. Um, Andy Bruno Fernandez against Leeds. Uh, I guess we say this about Leeds almost every week. Um, they do tend to concede a lot of chances. Um, their Man United's last game against against Leeds finished what six two. I think Bruno had an okay day that day. I think it was. Uh, I think he ended up getting a few or getting a penalty or something that um, that ended up sort of boosting his stats a little bit. I think Scott McTominay stole the show probably that day, didn't he? Um, but but yeah, I mean, we said it last week about Bruno and captaincy. His 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 returns recently haven't been um, as fantastic, but I guess uh, there's always the potential with, with Bruno. He's on penalties, leads to concede a few of them this year as well. Not great, all that great at defending set pieces. Bruno takes a fair few of those. Um, so it feels like he has the potential, as always, to have a real monster, monster, monster week. Yeah, I suppose one thing I'd highlight, this, this is the first, which is astonishing, I think, actually, that we're saying this. It's the first midweek that Manchester United haven't played all season. It's the first time they've had a week between games all season. So, yeah, United fully kind of rested up. Okay, all kinds of horrendous shenanigans off the pitch that's probably been distracting for a lot of people. But still, hopefully, like physically, Bruno will have had a full week's rest here. And, um, yeah, obviously, Leeds generally a very open team and, and have been beautifully consistent you know in in conceding chances doing it in the long term and recently one of the worst teams for conceding chances still um in in recent game weeks so yeah bruno is likely to be at the heart of a lot of chance creation for man united this this game week um there there are, there are a few fixtures as well aren't there there are fewer captain options just because there's only 16 teams playing so i think that can only improve someone like bruno's chances and because of that a few under-the-radar picks that we can, I guess, quickly run through. Um, we've highlighted Coletti Inacho against Palace, obviously within the form that he's in at the moment, a little bit like Jesse Lingard last week. Um, you can't really not put him 
as a as a captaincy option. Um, and and against a team like Palace that do concede a fair few chances and aren't, aren't brilliant going forward either, um, you would expect Leicester to do pretty well and Kelechi to be to be a pretty big part of that. Yeah, well, uh, again, with, a, with an extraordinary rest for United, an extraordinary rest for Palace as well in this instance. Not that they'll that'll necessarily uh, make a difference, but but perhaps so. It's been a slightly busier schedule for Leicester, hasn't it? They had that cup game. They've got a game tomorrow night, uh, so that's Thursday, and then and then they've got this this Palace game. Um, so a little and, and and obviously with the form that Ianacho's in, he's been playing all those games. Whereas Palace will have had like a two full full two weeks sort of rest because of the fact that they um, blanked in the, in, in the last game week. Um, so, so maybe that's a slight thing there, but no, just the form in Acho's in the, he's absolutely banging the goals in Leicester look really good. As we've said a few times in that three, five, two formation. And um, he's, his, his underlying numbers are only beaten by Harry Kane, Kelechi and Acho. So he, he's, he's, he's not getting lucky by any stretch. He's absolutely getting in the positions and getting the chances to deserve these these goals he's getting and Palace have been very, very obliging to people who've had chances this season. And then finally, uh, we've obviously highlighted in the radar segment that Wolves defenders have some good fixtures coming up. Brighton defenders also have some good fixtures coming up. That starts this week. Um, I guess maybe this is a, a bit of a cliche and probably one that doesn't have any any statistical backing. But I do always wonder when when teams are officially relegated whether they kind of you know start to relax and play a bit more open football. And I wonder if that will happen to Sheffield United. Um, obviously, they host Brighton this weekend, but then. Brighton have been so resolute at the back all year, and Sheffield United, you know, just even if they do relax a bit more, they they don't they're not known um, for, for their attacking play. Even last year when they were a bit more successful, so um, I guess the I guess a Brighton clean sheet would be fairly short uh, at the bookmakers this week, Andy. So therefore, if you've got a Brighton defender in your team, not a terrible captain choice. And I guess similar for Wolves, but Burnley have scored a few more goals over recent weeks. But um, but yeah, you know, Wolves have been pretty good at the back most of the year as well. Yeah, it's it's a, it's definitely a kind of lower, uh, well, maybe lower risk and lower reward. Um, this 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 pick and and you know it's not the first time we've been a bit boring maybe and had like defenders on the radar here. Uh, sorry, on on the on the kind of captaincy picks. Um, if if you've picked one of those that we mentioned or you have one in your team already, I could see the temptation. Like I, I really could see the temptation, as we've said in previous game weeks. I suppose in the past when we've when we've tipped up defenders, they've also had at least maybe some attacking option going forward as well, like a Chelsea defender or a Cancelo or whatever from from City, which there's a little bit less of with these here. And given that you know we've 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 highlighted a few captaincy options who are playing against perhaps opposition that do offer a lot of chances up, that's maybe you know getting into this final stretch of the season, maybe you want to be a bit less. Uh, defensive a bit a little bit less cautious and, and and kind of go for it for a bit um with with one of those so maybe maybe a little cheeky vice captain as as like a, as a backup if if you want to go bold and like captain a a Salah but are worried about rotation maybe a, a vice captain and play it a bit safer on the uh on the defensive options there yeah, who, who who would you go in for from that list do you reckon if oh, you had to pick one? I'd be tempted I would be tempted by Ian Acho I think um but yeah, at the moment, I, I don't own any of them other than Bruno. Although, obviously, as, as Andy said earlier in the show, I will be wildcarding this week. So um, who knows how many of them I may I may end up owning by uh, 
by by, by Friday evening. I I guess I just hope I don't get caught out by 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 the deadline. Um, so I've got a day off on Friday. So I need to make sure that you know, in theory should mean that I've got loads of time to think about my fantasy team. But we all know that that's never how never how it ends up. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's, it's it's tough. It is tough this week because you would feel I feel a little bit robbed that I don't have the opportunity to just stick my armband on Harry Kane this week because I think I'd just be riding him till the end of the year. But um, but yeah, so I don't like having to think too much. So yeah, we will see. We'll see. I don't know what, Andy, I'll let, I'll let you know. I'll text you when I decide. Oh, great. That'll be, that'll be helpful for the listeners, that. No worries. No worries. Um, let's finish, as we always do, with Who the Heck is Stat. Uh, for those that don't know, Who the Heck is Stat is a little game Andy and I like to play where we take it in turns each week to pick a player from the FPL universe. They have to be owned by 5% of FPL managers and the other person has to guess who the player is. They get five clues and if they get it after the first clue, they get five points. After the fourth clue, they get, after the second clue, they get four points and so on and so forth. Every time they hear a clue, they get the opportunity to stick or twist on their previous guess. And that means that we don't reveal the answer to the end, which allows you to play along wherever you are listening to the podcast. Andy has a seven-point lead. He leads 39 to 32, but it is him picking for me an opportunity to close the gap. Um, this podcast has gone on plenty long enough, Andy, so I will let you begin. Well, usually I'd slam us for for having it go on so long as well as you do there, Chris. But, um, you know, there's a, an unbelievable amount to have discussed this week. And actually, I think we um, we... We did well not going into into some of it in as much detail as we as possibly could have done. We didn't really talk about Mourinho sacking. We didn't talk too much about the Super League, considering how massive it is. And we barely even touched on the on the semi-finals that are going on in the Champions League and Europa League. So so well done us. Pat on pat on the back. Clue number one. It is this player's seventh season in FPL, and they're on for their highest ever score. Cool. Uh, great. If they're on for the highest ever score, I mean that could be they could be doing poorly I guess um but I wonder if um no I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess that this player is like over 100 points I don't know why I'm guessing that but I'm gonna guess that they're over 100 points I wonder if it's could be a, what was the seventh season highest ever finish 100 points that doesn't I guess massively narrow it down but I wonder how many players that are on for their highest ever score aren't already over 100 probably not loads why do I think it could be a goalkeeper? Seems a bit rogue, maybe. Which keeper's on for their highest ever points finish? I doubt Edison. I mean, obviously Martinez. Seven seasons, though. I mean, he was at Arsenal, wasn't he? I feel like we might have done him earlier in the year. Why am I on this goalkeeper route? Who else would have got 100 points this year for the keeper? Schmeichel? Feels like he's done more than seven, seven seasons. I wonder if it's someone really rogue like Alex McCarthy. I wonder how many seasons he's had. Where's he been? He's at Southampton now. Was he at Palace? Did he come through the Palace rank? Don't know if you can answer me that. If you know, I guess I'm. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't actually know. Yeah. I don't, oh, will he be owned by five percent? I'm guessing he will. Don't know why I'm guessing he will, but I just feeling he was competing with what's his chops, Wayne Hennessy, the Nazi salute man. For a little bit. So you know what? I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna go for Alex McCarthy. He's probably in my head because he started tonight, didn't he? But I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go with Alex. Seven seasons sounds about right. He probably hasn't started loads of games before. So if he is, if he has made a hundred this year, 
then that may, may well be his highest finish. And I've got not a lot, not a lot else to go on. So yeah, let's let's go with him. Clue number two. Now it's a bit longer, so so listen carefully. That stat, as in the one in the first clue, is mm. warped though by the fact that in their first three seasons in FPL, they amassed the grand total of three minutes and one point. The lack of game time has changed now, though, as this player has only been subbed off once this season. Uh, right, hold on. So this player got how many? He got. Oh God! Right. So, so I've almost given you minutes, two in one. He got three minutes in his first three FPL seasons. Correct. And scored one point. And then what was the rest of that clue? Uh, however, the lack of game time has changed now, though, as this player has only been subbed off once this season. Okay. Why am I now thinking someone like Kelechi Iheanacho? I mean, could it be? I mean, could it be Alex McCarthy still? I guess that's probably where I need to start. Could it be Alex McCarthy still? Three minutes in his first few seasons, I guess it could have been. And then only been subbed off once. Did he get? You wouldn't get subbed off if you're a keeper. Could get sent off, I suppose. You're not going to get subbed off unless you're injured, of course, which is not beyond the realms of possibility. Sorry, can you read that second clue to me again? Yeah, sure. So the previous stat is warped by the fact that in their first three seasons in FPL, this player amassed the grand total of three minutes and one point. That lack of game time, though, has changed now as this player has only been subbed off once this season. So when you say that first stat has been warped, is in the sense that He's on for his highest ever finish, but that's obvious because in his first three he was terrible. So he's only really he's only really doing his best out of four. Is kind of what you're saying? No, no, no. It's his player's seventh season in FPL, so it's not so much the score that's the fact that that's warped. It's right. the it's seven because he's had two seasons where he's got no points. Right. right? I see. So it's that stat. There's that fact. The fact that it's the seventh season that seems a bit more warped because. There's the, yeah, there's, there's... Okay, all right. I guess I guess that impl- I guess that tells me that this player is um, come through an academy. I guess I guess that's what what it says. I'll oh, please say it's not. I'm so close to swearing on this podcast. Please <laughs> tell me it. Please tell me it's not Keenan Davis. Because after all the drama we had about Keenan Davis last week, I'll be well annoyed if it's Keenan Davis. I'm just going to tell you now. I'm going to be well annoyed with you if it's Keenan Davis. Uh, highest ever finished, seventh season. I've been subbed off once. Does that help me usually? I don't, I don't know if it does. Oh, it could be... No. no. Seven seasons. Seven seasons come through the academy. So they're, what, going to be like 25-ish? Maybe younger? Possibly younger if they didn't play at all in their first... They barely played at all in their first three, right? They played three minutes in, in their first three seasons. Mm-hmm. I guess they could have got relegated though, couldn't they? Which is annoying. So they could, they could be. I mean, they're probably going to be around the 24, 25 year old mark. Highest ever finish or highest ever score so far this year, and they're owned by five percent of managers. This is getting trickier and trickier and trickier each week, isn't it? Um, okay, maybe maybe let's stick on that keeper keeper. Although that's subbed off. Thing is frustrating me. I mean, is it is it crazy to think it might be Fraser Forster then? No, he hasn't played enough this year for it to be his highest highest ever. Um, what else could it be on oh, my keepers? Casper Smichael, guess. He feels like he's played more than that. Nicky Pope obviously had an unreal year last year, didn't he? So he's probably not even 
in the same wheelhouse as his score from last year. Now I'm just like, do I stick with Alex McCarthy? Gone proper full circle here. Proper full circle. Um, a few thoughts I've had would be like an Aaron Wambasaka. But he kind of burst onto the FPL scene, didn't he? Quite a lot. Kurt Zuma's another one. Maybe got a few minutes at Chelsea here and there. But then I feel like he's probably because of the amount of time he's played this year. And he, obviously he's been he's been subbed off more than once. Or well, has has he defenders don't really get subbed off that much? Oh, this is this is tough. Joe you know what? This is so ridiculous, but I'm gonna stick with Alex McCarthy. Mainly because I need another clue. But mainly because it could be him still. It could there's, still there's... be him. When you're, it's so hard when you're talking through your logic. It's like because I, you've just said there, defenders don't get subbed off much. Well, yeah, keepers don't get subbed off much, do they? So no, yeah. they don't. But once could have happened. I'm not sure why Forster ended up back in the team. I don't think it was because McCarthy got injured. But um, but yeah, let's let's let 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 let's roll with it. Mainly okay. to get get this next clue. Exactly. I think it's funny how both of us are taking a lot longer over our decisions as this season draws to an end. Yeah, we really are. We really competition, are. Competition gets real. It's also just not, it's not even remotely obvious like who this player player would be. I guess earlier in the year, we were probably focusing on like the 20 plus percent owned and there probably isn't many of those left, many of those left that we haven't done. So yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's roll on, roll on with. Uh, okay. With Clue number three. Back. I'm not sure how much this is going to help you, but here we go. Clue number three. This player is in the top 10 scoring players in his position. Oh. Right. Well, that could... I mean, you're right there. That could well be... That could well be AMAC, couldn't it? Um, although, will it be? Who's scored more than... I don't know. I don't know, you know. Martinez, Edison. I don't know. I, yeah, not not a Scooby, not a Scooby. I guess probably worth thinking about some other uh, some other positions. Who's top score for defenders this year? Stewie D, Cresswell, Trent. I assume is Trent a shout? Maybe. Nah, he's not done seven years though, has he? Robertson come through in Scotland, so it probably won't be him. Hmm. Uh, 25, I seem to think this player is, don't I? And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What about... What about someone like John Stones, maybe? Could it be him? I feel like he's done more than seven years, but maybe that those early years at Everton. I feel like he was in their team pretty young, though. Because if it is someone that's like 25 and they come through the system at 18, they probably didn't break into the actual team until they were 20, 21. That's quite late. So maybe they're around at... God. Oh, lordy lord. Uh, hmm. Also means that they're probably British. <laughs> Is that too much of a too much of a stretch? I feel like it possibly is. Yeah. Why am I still going back to goalkeeper? I'm just still going back to goalkeeper. 
why is that? Am I just completely losing my mind? Probably. Probably. Part of me is just worried that McCarthy hasn't got as many points as I think he has because he's had that period out, out of the side. Um, who else would have been in? Oh, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, what, who else could it be? There's a goalkeeper. It could be Sam Johnston, maybe. Because he come through at United, didn't he? Might have made a minute. Has he been subbed off this year? I mean, how am I going to know that? I'm just not going to know that. What about... No, he's been around too long, old Fabianski, hasn't he? He's been around way too long. Oh, dearie me. Um... What a mess. What so, a mess. Seventh, seventh season in FPL. They're on for their highest ever score. They uh, only got one point in their first three FPL seasons, didn't really play at all. Um, now they they've, have only been subbed off once this season, though, uh, and they're in the top 10 scoring players in their position. Nothing, nothing that you just repeated is is helping me. I don't think anymore. <laughs> okay. So well, that means if you haven't got clue. that, means I need another clue ultimately, doesn't it? But I'm just, I'm just worried. I'm worried that it is still Alex McCarthy. <laughs> Which the more I say that in my head, the more insane that sounds. Um. You know what? I think I'm just gonna have to go with it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stick with it. Imagine if it is him. What are five points? This is that. This is gonna feel like. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's stick with let's stick stick with Amac. Or worse than that, right? And you know, I don't want to get in your head oh, or anything it, too much. That, worse than that is that I've already said it, and and and, and yeah, I, I I know that. That's just uh, yeah. No, no, no. What I was gonna say is worse than that. Imagine if you changed off him now and then it is him. You oh, will exactly. hate yourself so much. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I could, you, you know, you you're not really spreading the net wider if you take another guess. You're just making the the torture be worse when I do find out what the answer is. So so yeah, let's um let's let's stick let's stick with Amac. Okay. Clue number four. This player is third overall in the game for assists. Right. Well, at least we can finally rule him out. Um, who will have got assists this year then? Uh, Bruno, I guess. Uh, Son, maybe. Uh, KDB, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, Harry Kane? Maybe? Don't know why I've gone all high-pitched. Um, oh, dearie me. Right, well, it's not a keeper. Highest highest assist in the game. 
third highest assist in the game, you said. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cresswell. What about Aaron Cresswell? He's like, how old is he, though? He's about 80, isn't he? And Tranmere to Ipswich to West Ham. No way he played three minutes in his first three seasons in FPL, is there? Um, that still makes me think that he's a British player. Rashford burst on the scene. Yeah, I know. I feel, I feel you, Andy. Feel that yawn, mate. Mm. I feel that yawn. All the listeners feel that yawn as well. Um, who the heck is that? Was just such a brilliant, lively segment at the start of the season, and I'm not. This is no blame towards you because I do exactly the same. But you know, we failed massively. Such a good idea once upon a time, and now I'm sat here at ten thirty trying to think of a, think of a player that plays football. Ultimately. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, that would help. I, I didn't give you that clue, to be fair. But but no, you're right. They they do play football, this player. Uh, what about... Sorry, just the highest ever finish, seventh and third assist in the game. Yeah, on for their highest ever finish this season. Third for assists in the game. Top 10 in their position. Uh, only played one minute in the... Three minutes in the, in the first three seasons only been subbed okay. off once this season I've had an epiphany and it's not an Alex McCarthy related epiphany uh, I think it's Jack Grealish I, I can't well I can't think of who else it would like, you know, don't get me wrong the, I don't know for a fact that he only played three minutes in his first three seasons at Villa but I, I seem to think he's like 25-26 I did mention that he could have got relegated, which he did. Assists, I mean, he loves an assist, famously. Highest ever points total, likely, considering he wasn't that good before he um, got relegated and come back. Top 10 in midfield, he's been injured for a while. Third in assists, equally feels nuts because he's been injured for a while but yeah yeah the shoe sort of fits so I'm gonna well it's not Alex McCarthy so yeah go on then Jackie Grealish okay and clue number five clue number five this player is their club's third highest point scorer so far this season, despite not having played in the last nine game weeks. Is that how long it's been for Jackie Grealish? I guess it is. Who would have scored more points than him? Martinez, I guess Watkins. Unless it's Mings. But Jackie Grealish got a lot of points, didn't he? Oh, let's just put 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 me out of my misery. I'm going to stick. With him, nothing, nothing that you just told me is enough to is enough to twist. So yeah, put me out, put me out of my out of my misery. Tell me, Jackie Grealish. Well, you and the and the listener, uh, 
it's two points for Chris Hopkins. The epiphany worked. It is Jack Grealish. And actually, funny, a couple of points when you're saying about like the ownership thing, obviously he's still relatively highly owned, not nowhere near as he was earlier in the season. But yeah, 15% owned at the moment still, Jack, Jack Grealish. So um, yeah, com- comfortably up there and well in the game in, ter- in terms of ownership. But, but no, it's just funny because we say it all the time about this game that once you, sometimes it's one of the, like, once you realise... And then everything kind of clicks into place and you're like, oh yeah, that fits, that fits, that fits. And you obviously had that epiphany moment here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So has he got more points this season than he than he did last year or whenever he was? He he's, wasn't he's, he's on four, the oh, highest ever four. score. He's To be fair, he's not actually far off his highest ever total already. Yeah, but fair. Which, uh, again, is is all of these things quite kind of astonishing, really, given he hasn't played in the last nine game weeks. I mean, currently his highest ever score is 149 from last season. And he's on 129 at the moment. So he's not exactly far off it. But even if you if you scale it up by, you know, proportion uh, relatively on the game weeks left, he would he would uh, he would end up with his highest score if he continues at that rate. Yeah, Obviously, he needs to start playing again and be fit suddenly. But yeah. Quite, because we need to get him on that plane, don't we? We need to get him on that plane. All right, then, Andy, better better leave it there, because yeah, after I don't know about you, but that game just knackers me out as well. I just feel so drained after after that. All that, all, you know, all that mind training, all that all that brain work. I mean, like last week, given the length of what we had to get through, I, this was this was going all right, I thought, and then we've just spent twenty twenty five minutes on who the heck is Stan. It's all out the window. Yeah, we're gonna have to get rid of that. Gonna have to get rid of it. Well, not get rid of it, but be better. Changes, changes afoot. Anyway, if you, if our listeners have any suggestions, which I'm sure they do, about how we can improve this already fantastic podcast, how can they get in touch? They can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And if they were on on their uh, on their Twitter this week and saw a few a few tweets from from from, from us, uh, particularly you, then then they'll have got a little bit more engagement than than they than they have in other weeks. Don't know what you're talking about. Absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, and as ever, do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Kind of alluded to it there. Obviously, Andy and I will be looking forward to uh, to coming back for next year. But any suggestions on how we can improve things, what we can do differently, if you've got any ideas for for, for, for different segments or what you'd like to hear from us, then please do let us know. Um, we are definitely open open to ideas, and um, we're happy to have to take feedback on board about how we can make make this this better and I guess more useful ultimately um we will be back next week uh with another review show uh I guess we it's quite a short game week this one Andy isn't it it's just some just Friday to Friday well I say short Friday to Monday still feels a bit long uh, but but no need for a hybrid next week I guess we're back back into the normal schedule and uh and there is a du- potential double game week coming up so we might know hopefully about that by the next time Maybe by the next time we record, if not the next time we do a preview, we might, we might know all about that, mightn't we? Yeah, we, we might do. Uh, we, we, I think some people were hoping that information might come today uh, and it, with, with the announcements of TV schedules for the next couple of game weeks, but but it didn't, unfortunately. Um, what with um, um, some, some, some various reschedulings and FA Cup final, meaning that in sort of people are suspecting possibly game week 35, 36, there could be some blanks and, and doubles. So, you, you know, that's not in terms of game weeks, that's, that's only a kind of couple of game weeks away. And so hopefully, yeah, sooner rather than later, we'll, we'll have that info and that, that will obviously influence, influence radar picks if there's going to be a double game week. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, as I say, we will be back uh, probably early next week uh, to review game week 33. Uh, but Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.